Would you turn in your Bible to Mark the fourth chapter again this evening? Mark chapter four. Beautiful music today. These wonderful songs have blessed our hearts. We're thankful. I'd like to underscore what Brother Johnny said earlier about the meeting tomorrow night. Brother Ron Chilton will be sharing with us on the bus ministry. We sometimes are unaware of the greatness of some of the people we rub elbows with and rub shoulders with in the work of the Lord here at this church. Brother Tackawee, we all love and know and respect. I recall when he was here, he's not here tonight so I can say this, the first time I asked him to preach, uh, there were some people that said you ought not to have these young boys preach in this church. You hardly believe that, but I've faced that for years. People say you ought not to have young preachers preach. Well, if a man gets called to preach, he ought to preach. That's what I think. And uh, Tack has been serving the Lord for 15 years in the Japanese mission field. God is using him in a wonderful way. I think of Bill Ricketts. Young Bill, pastor of one of the great Baptist churches today, the church in Athens, Georgia. He preached his first sermon here, called to preach, and ordained, licensed and ordained here. And while he was here, sometimes people didn't, you know, they didn't see all that was in him. Sometimes I'm chided a little bit because I see, I say that I see gold in some people's lives, and some people sort of make fun of that. Well, I can see it. God has put that there in my soul as a sort of a, a vision. I don't know how to describe it except to say it's there. And lots of things that I'm, I don't know. A lot of things I don't know. I'm a learner. But there's some things that I know and I can see. And I can see the hand of God touching people's lives, young people's lives. I could go on and on. Brother Jewel Pruitt. Brother Jewel Pruitt. Many of you don't even know this. Pastor of one of the greatest churches in Kentucky over in Owensboro. Great soul winning church. God is using him to touch the lives of hundreds of people. Jewel was saved here after a teen time broadcast one Sunday night. He lived on Main Street. If we'd had a bus ministry in those days, he'd been a bus kid. Jewel Pruitt, serving God in a marvelous, wonderful, glorious way for God. And on and on we could go. Ron Chilton married Lana. How many of you were here when Lana was a teenager? Lift your hands. When Lana was a teenager. Well, I want to tell you there wasn't much promise that Lana would ever be what she is today. I hate to say that. I love Lana. She wouldn't be surprised I said that because that's true. She, uh, she was like a lot of our kids today, you know, talked in church and I had to call her down one time in vacation Bible school. I had to just stop things and say, Lana, you be quiet or else get up and leave. She got red and embarrassed and so on. I've had to do that. When I do that, I don't hate people. I love them. I wouldn't do that if I didn't love them. Lana married Ron. Ron wasn't even saved, but God had his hand on Lana. And I believe God had his hand on Ron. And Ron got saved through the ministry of this church. And God called him. He served as a deacon. He became a bus pastor. He touched the lives of hundreds of people in this city. And uh, God called him to preach. 
I remember when he was elected as a deacon. This always upsets me when I hear this. Somebody said, well, the bus kids did that. Shame on whoever said that. Suppose they did. They, they could see gold in that man's life. And God used him as a marvelous deacon in our church. And God called him to preach. He went from here to Northside Church in, in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky. Began a great ministry with bus kids there. And then Dr. Mallory, pastor in Nashville for over 25 years, was there in Mayfield in a revival meeting and, and met Ron and Lana. And in his heart, he knew immediately Ron should be in Nashville in our church there. That's one of the greatest soul winning churches in America. And God called Ron and Lana to serve as associate pastor of the great Park Avenue Baptist Church in Nashville. And they have a tremendous bus ministry that reaches areas of Nashville that have never been reached before. And God is using them. And I, I hope you will avail yourself of the rich opportunity of hearing them tomorrow night. Now, I want to say this to you. You have a pastor that has a burden for souls. I wish I were a better soul winner. I wish I knew how to do it better. I wish I knew how to preach more eloquently. But you have a pastor that has a burden for souls. And one of the greatest disappointments in my ministry is preaching year after year after year. And so many people hear it. And it just goes out. They never, they never put it into action. Never become soul winners. They never come with us on Thursday or any other day. They never get with us on Saturday in the bus ministry. They never go after the lost. Oh, I beg you tonight, don't do that. Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the Word. For one day we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now I'm speaking of Christians, believers. The majority of the people in this room tonight are saved. We're on our way to heaven. And we shall one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that, whether, he, whether it be good or bad. The one good thing that is commended in the Scripture over and over and over again is sowing the seed of life into somebody else's life. And we're going to give an account for that. And I frankly tell you, I weep over it lots of times. When I have to come before God and I say, God, I, I probably didn't try the best I knew how. Maybe I didn't do the best. I don't know. But here's some people over here and here and here. That they hear it over and over, but they never do anything about it. God help. I want to plead with you tonight to take seriously the Word. The verse of Scripture that is our text tonight is that strange verse that says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Immediately, that verse reminds us that not everybody that hath an ear will hear. But he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You know the little song we teach to children. The wise man built his house upon the sand. The wise man, I mean the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 
and the rains came tumbling down, and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man built his house on the sand. Now I want to tell you, the foolish man and the wise man heard the same message. They heard the same message. They didn't hear a different message, they heard the same message. The wise man took it to heart and built his house on the rock, the rock which is Christ. The foolish man said, oh, that's foolish. I've heard that all my life. That man's been saying that all and all and all. It reminds me of when in Noah's day when he preached for 120 years and they said, well, he's, they, he's been saying that for years and years and years. There ain't gonna be any flood. And then where's God? Rain, whoever heard of such a thing? There's not gonna be anything like that. And foolishly, they built their houses on the sand. And when the rains came and the winds blew, their houses all fell flat. But those who had an ear to hear, those who had an ear to hear, heard. Now the interesting thing about this verse of Scripture is where it comes in Scripture. With your Bible open in Mark chapter 4, Notice especially, and just mark it in your Bible, that's verse 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Please notice where that comes. It comes immediately after the Lord has told this parable about the four kinds of soil. And then he said, is a lamp brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be put on a lampstand? There's nothing hidden which shall not be made manifest, neither was there anything kept secret, but that it should come to light. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, not everybody's going to understand that. Not everybody's going to comprehend it. Not everybody will get it. Not everybody will grasp it. But if you have ears to hear, you listen. I believe God is saying that to everybody in this section right over here tonight. There's some that don't have ears to hear. You're not going to listen. You're going to talk. There's some in this room right over here in this section. They're not going to have ears to hear. You'll say, well, I've been hearing that same thing over and over again. And you'll not listen. Over here, there'll be some people who say the same thing. I, I don't, I, I've heard that. I've heard that. What's he going to say new tonight? I don't have anything new to say. Just the old, old story. Just the old, old book. That's all I've got to say to you. And there are going to be some people up here who will just say, well, I've heard all that stuff. I've heard it over and over again. I want to know if you've got ears to hear. Hear it. And may God help us to put it to our hearts. This particular verse, and if you'll examine the other places it's found, I could go through other places in Scripture. But turn in your Bible to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and let me just call your attention to where it is found. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In verse 11, He that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. In that same chapter, verse 17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth except he that receiveth it. And again, in verse 29 of that same chapter, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And in chapter 3, verse 6, 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And in chapter 7, verse 13, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And in chapter 3, verses 20, 21 and 22, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In all of these instances, in my judgment, the focus is the same. This is a message to Christians. It is a message to the people of God. Now there's a sense in which it is a message to the lost. We take Revelation, 20, uh, Revelation 3 verse 20 often out of context and make it a message to the lost and we say Jesus stands at your heart's door and knocks and that's true. Any man who will open the door, let him come in. I'll sup with him and he with me and that's a wonderful gospel invitation and a great gospel sermon could be built upon that and many have through the ages and many people, many personal soul winners with their Bible under their arm have gone out and knocked on doors and have said to people lost in sin, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door and if you'll open the door he'll come in and he has come in and many have been saved through that verse of scripture, I know that. But in its original context, it was not written to lost people, it's written to the church. It's written to save people. That Revelation 3.20 is a picture of Jesus outside of his church. He's knocking on the door and he says, let me in. If, you, if any, man, any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. And then the Lord puts that verse, that strange verse, that formula, right there, right smack dab at the end of that invitation. And he says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Not everybody will listen to this. Not everybody will understand it. Not everybody will comprehend it. Now this is first of all a message to the church, to Christians. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. I want to ask you, do you have an ear to hear? Are you listening? Not to the voice of this preacher. I want to know if you're listening to the voice beyond the preacher. Are you hearing something God is saying inside? In its context, the Lord placed that verse right after he told the story of the four kinds of soil that received the seed. This is to Christians. The first part of that chapter, fourth chapter, a long section the Lord talked about a sower that went forth to sow, and he sowed seed here and here and here. The disciples didn't understand it. They said, Lord, what do you mean? Tell us what this is all about. What does this mean? A few Sundays ago, I spoke to you from another gospel about this passage, but let me reiterate it. Look in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. The sower soweth the word. The seed is the word of God. The seed is God's holy, wonderful, precious word. And these are they that they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now this is like hard-hearted people. Turn your Bible to Mark 2, 24. 
look at the way the Pharisees responded to the seed that Jesus was sowing. It came to pass that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of grain. And the Pharisees, <clears throat> they were religious people. They tithed. They went to the synagogue all the time. They were members of the Sanhedrin. They were religious leaders. They, were, they wouldn't commit adultery. They're the ones that brought that woman taken in adultery and threw her down at Jesus' feet and said, the law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? Hard-hearted they were. And look what they said. The Pharisees said unto Jesus, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? They had no soil, no prepared soil. Now I want to tell you, the seed of the Word of God must be sown broadly, must be broadcast by radio, by television, by printed page, by literature, by tracts. We must go house to house. We must go with our buses and faithful, committed, dedicated bus pastors who will give and give and give of their energy and time to, to touch the hearts of people in this city. We must have soul winning teams who will go out and knock on doors. But some of the places we knock will be like the Pharisees, be hard ground. And the seed you sow, it won't take root. The Lord said it would be like that. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's what the Lord said. Just remember that. Lodge it in your soul. Two, number two. Look at verse 16. These are they in like manner that are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately, they are offended. If we had time tonight, we could look at, cha look at chapter, Luke chapter 18, at that rich young ruler who came running to Jesus one night. Wonderful prospect. Imagine people running to you wanting to know how to get to heaven. You ever had much of that, soul winners? Occasionally out on a bus route, some kid will run up and say, can I ride the bus tomorrow? Some parent will call the church and say, do you have a route that comes near my house that we could get on? Now, that's wonderful to hear news like that, word like that. Sometimes somebody will call the church and say, I just moved to town. I want to know what time your service is tomorrow. That's a precious blessing. It's like this man. The rich ruler, he came running to Jesus one night. He said, good, good master, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord Jesus said, you know the commandments? What commandments? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and on and on he went. And, and the man said, why, why, Lord, I've kept all those from my youth up. I'm a good, moral, clean man. And I believe he probably was. I've met a lot of good moral people. Now, frankly, it's harder to win a good, clean, moral man to Jesus than it is an old scoundrel that's been drunk on the skid row. The man down on skid row knows he needs God. Some of the people that have been moral and clean and self-righteous and all that, they don't know they need the Lord. They don't know it. This man said, well, well, it must be more to it than that. What do you mean? And Jesus looked with his spiritual x-ray eyes deep in the heart of that man's soul, and he said, if you would have life, you go sell your possessions and come and follow me. Now, that was not a plan of salvation. 
Lord didn't say to everybody in this room tonight, you go get rid of all your houses and your lands and come and follow me and you can go to heaven. That isn't what he was saying. That wasn't a plan of salvation. The Lord looked into that particular man's heart and he found out the real need in that man's life. And he said, the problem you have, you've reached into the cookie jar and you've got that little coin in your hand and you can't get your hand out of the cookie jar with the coin in it. Let go of the coin and you can get it out. And the man went away sorrowful because he wanted his coin more than he wanted life. Now the Lord said, that's the kind of people you're going to run into. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. There are going to be people like that. Not everybody talking about heaven or going there. Thirdly, in verse 18, these are they that are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this age, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. I think this speaks of the black backslider. I think this person was saved. Seed was sown in his life. He received Christ into his heart, the seed of, of, of the Lord. He began to grow in the Lord. But after a while, the cares of this age, his job, the deceitfulness of riches. Riches are deceitful. The cares of the world. Have you ever felt the cares just pressing down on you? Like we spoke of this morning, the storms that come, the cares of this life, home problems, home tear-ups, children not doing what you think they ought to do. Job dislodgements. All of these things. The cares of this world just sort of hacked away and hacked away and hacked away at that man's life and he became unfruitful. It doesn't mean he was lost. It just means he became unfruitful. He got depressed. He got discouraged. He got defeated. I will say to you tonight, the greatest tool the devil has, the greatest tool is discouragement. He can move in on your life with discouragement and accomplish what he could never accomplish with just simple, plain worldliness. There are lots of God's good Christians, good people, love God. They're not worldly. They don't go after the world's crowds. Their lives are not filled with wickedness. But they've allowed Satan and the cares of the world to defeat them and discourage them. And, and the things just press in on all around. Real, real problems. <laughs> Did you know that the greatest suicide rate today are those 15 years of age to 20? I heard on the on a national news the other day this is a, a national epidemic in America. Suicides among teenagers. Why? Because of the cares of this world. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight, but I, I'm confident that there are people in this very room tonight, not only teenagers, but older people, who have wondered, would it be an acceptable thing for me to get out of all my problems by killing myself. 
the cares of this world just smother, move in. And you become unprofitable, unfruitful. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The Lord is warning us with this passage. He is speaking to believers. He is saying, watch. Backsliding does not always involve drunkenness and sexual impurity. Sometimes backsliding includes getting your eyes off of Jesus so that you get defeated and discouraged and you get the quititis and you say, I'm just going to quit the work. Now the Lord said, not everybody listen to this. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Are you tuned in? Are you listening? Are you hearing what God is saying? And then he says, there's a fourth group. These are they that are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Even among the good God's people. Where the seed has grown and the word has taken hold, people begin to grow in the Lord. We all have some 60, some 30. The Lord didn't say the one who produces a hundredfold is better than the 60-fold or the 30-fold. He said, here it is. The whole story is that when the, good, when the seed falls on good ground, some will become, they will become fruitful. Some will produce a whole lot of fruit, some a lot more, a little bit more, and some others not quite so much. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Don't get defeated about that. Don't get discouraged about that. Do the very best you can do. If you cannot preach like Peter and you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say he died for all. I wish I could sing great solos like Jim Yates can or like Bob Kubosh, or like Robert Coates, some of these guys that can sing and make your heart warm. I wish I could play the piano like Mac Fogel or Rudy Atwood or some of those people, or like my brother Roger. I don't covet them, but I wish I could do something like that. Maybe I just didn't work at it hard enough. I don't think I had the gifts and talents that they have. But I don't have any right to be jealous of them, because they can do it better than I can do it. I just need to do the best I can do with what I've got. And so do you, my friend. We need to do the best we can do with what we've got. And give the Lord all we have. And that whole message in Revelation, seven times, he that hath an ear, let him hear. 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 Seven times. Who's it directed? God's people, the church. And he says, now listen. To him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh. Seven times that message is there. Who is he that overcometh? Well, the Bible clearly tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And so the overcomer, the overcomer is the one who is saved, God's child. Now in closing, 
Let me give you four reasons why I, why I want to encourage you to turn your ears to what he's saying here. Remember, all this is written to Christians, to God's people. And he's reminding us that the seed of the word can be sown on four kinds of ground. Some of it's hard, they won't get saved. Some of it's choked by thorns, they won't get saved. Some of it, the cares of this world uh, make it become unfruitful. They're saved, but they get backslidden and don't so go on with God. And some of them produce a lot of fruit. Thank God for those. One of the things that discourages a lot of Christians is we look around and see people that have made professions of faith and they're not going on with God and we wonder why. Well, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Here it is, right here, God said it. The Lord Jesus told us as clearly as he could tell us. He that hath an ear, let him hear. A light is not to be put under a bushel, but it's to be put on a light stand so that everybody can see it. Put your light on a light stand. Let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your God in heaven, not glorify you, but the Lord in heaven. There are four reasons why I want to plead with you that he that hath an ear, let him hear. Go on with God. Do what God wants you to do. Number one, because of the mandate, Jesus said to do it. I don't know any better reason. The Lord said to do it. You're ambassadors for Christ. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Acts 1.8. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Matthew 28.19. It's the mandate Jesus told us to do it. We don't have any choice in the matter if we're going to be under captain's orders. If we're going to be a man and a woman traveling under orders, every ambassador travels under orders. Any ambassador that goes to a foreign country and does not well represent our government, that person is asked to be relieved of his ambassadorship. Secondly, because of the multitudes, isn't there a heart pull at your soul? I said to the men in the men's Bible class this morning, as we meet here, in the Warren County, there are 80,000 people. On any given Sunday, fewer than 10,000 go anywhere to Sunday school. Anybody's church, all denominations and cults put together, 10,000 out of 80,000, that means 70,000 people. AWOL. The multitudes, don't they pull at your heartstring? I'm gonna tell you how to get a burden for souls. Go! I think sometime it would be a rich blessing. On Sunday morning at about 10.30, we'd dismiss church and send everybody, not to the restaurants, not to their homes, but out to knock on doors. Be a revelation what we'd find. That's where the people are. They're out there without God, hopeless. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Oh, God, lay on the heart of Glendale Baptist Church the awful burden for souls. Those who are without Christ, look at the multitudes. And I want to tell you, one day I was part of that multitude and somebody cared enough to come. One day you were part of the multitude and somebody cared enough to come. Somebody came and knocked on your door. 
and said, I care about you. Now, you may not have come the first time they knocked. You, you may have put up resistance or you may have ignored it, but God was needling his way into your life. And that's the way the Lord does it. The message of Christ came to you on its way to somebody else. We're channels. Thirdly, because of the multiplication. You can multiply yourself. I think of Miss Helen Turner. Gave all those years as a supervisor of nurses at Owensboro and here at night in Bowling Green. And, and trained hundreds of nurses. Touched hundreds of lives. There are people all over the world that look back to Bowling Green and Owensboro and remember when Miss Helen Turner was their director of nurses. And they wonder now, how would I do this? How would Miss Helen do this? Because she sowed into their lives. Now I want to know, have you sowed into the lives of others so that you have been multiplied through, your, your life has been multiplied in them? They've gone out ablaze for Christ, touching hundreds of lives because of you. Life as to duration is so very brief, just a heartbeat less than a funeral, just a breath less than a grave dig. We're not going to be here forever. I'm very much aware of that in my own life. We don't have forever. I don't have as long as I used to have. You don't either. Not one in this room has as long left as you had last Sunday when we met. We've got to do something with our lives. We've got to sow what we have into the lives of others and we'll get multiplied through their lives as they come to Christ. And lest everybody run into the army immediately, let me warn you that there's tough going. Paul warned Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It isn't easy in the king's command. It isn't easy. It isn't easy. You just can't play the game. It's like training to be a good football player. You have to keep the rules. And if your football coach is worth his salt and he finds you breaking the rules, he'll get at you. Sometimes, pre sometimes people get upset when the preacher gets at them. Get upset with them. They take it from a football coach. They don't want to take it from a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or somebody like that. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. If your mother or daddy loves you, they'll rebuke you, right or wrong. If, if your Sunday school teacher loves you, he'll come after you and work on you. If your pastor loves you, he'll come and work on you and talk with you, sometimes a little bit bluntly, to get you going the way God wants you to go. Don't get lazy in the captain's work. Don't do it. Don't let that happen to you. The multiplication involved, and last of all, because of the millennium. We're going to spend eternity with the Lord. It's going to be wonderful to see Jesus, just to look on his face, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me? It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. That day when you walked into the bedroom and found that one you loved gone. And the hurt you had. The ache in your heart that's still there. 
One glimpse of his dear face, all that sorrow will erase when we see Jesus. But the Lord has arranged not only will we see Jesus, but we're going to see some folks that we've loved for a while and lost for a while. They're going to be there. Friends will be there I've loved long ago. Joy like a river all around me will flow, yet just a smile from the Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. Daddy will be there. Grandmother will be there. Granddaddy will be there. Some dear friends, I think of a little precious girl who used to come to our church. Died when she was eight years old. That was a long time ago. She put her hand on my shoulder one day and said, stay with me. Tell me about Jesus. I talked to her about Jesus till she went to see Jesus. She's going to be there and I'll see her. I love that little precious thing. I think of some older folks. We've had their funerals right in this auditorium. Just before they went away, just a wave of their hand, they say, I'll see you in the morning. We'll meet them again. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. What am I saying to you tonight? The theme of that one little single verse is not everybody will pay attention. Not everybody in this room who has heard this tonight will listen. Not everybody will put it to heart. But some will. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Go on going on. Go on going on. Let your light shine. He that overcometh. I will make him a pillar in the house of my God. And I'll give him a new name. I write his name in heaven. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank thee for that truth. We pray that tonight he that had an ear has heard. Thou wilt guard us from defeat and discouragement and quititis, but may we go on knowing that in the face of the obstacles that come our way and the storms that bind themselves into our soul and threaten to undermine our very foundation, that all of that can disappear when the Master says, Peace be still. He whispers in our hearts, Lord, help us to go on and love you and serve you and be true to you and be faithful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand. What's the number, brother? 394. Would you find that song and turn to it? 394. I didn't say it. But in case you're still wondering, what is the theme of that message tonight? It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just keep on at it. Keep on going. He that hath an ear to hear. I think that's what the Lord was trying to say to us. Not everybody will understand. Some will get defeated. Some will get discouraged. Some will quit. But he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Only one out of four that gets the gospel will really bear fruit. Some won't let their light shine before men. They'll hide it under a bushel. Some will think they can harbor things in their lives and God will never know anything about it. 
some in the churches will get all led into false doctrine and false teachings and they get their lives all messed up with impurity some will get backslidden but he that hath an ear to hear will hear and you'll go on going on you'll be faithful I want to appeal to you tonight to do that to be faithful and if you've noticed the slightest little tiny lack of faithfulness in your life give it to God he loves you he's not going to ball you out he's not going to get you down on the floor and stop you he loves you and he wants you to come and just say Lord I haven't been as faithful as ought to be I'm sorry the Lord will grab you in his arms and love you back into a life of faithfulness and fruitfulness would you surrender to him tonight whatever it means maybe surrendering an attitude it may be surrendering a laziness it may be surrendering some sin it may be surrendering just something in your life you can't even put your finger on it but something has slowed you down and you'd like to say Lord I want to get speeded up for you and I want to go on going on for you while we pray while we sing is there somebody that heard God speak to you tonight and if you're here without the Lord Jesus, you've never been saved, I plead with you to come to Christ tonight as you are. Will you do it?